Welcome to the What Makes a Great Trial Judge podcast. Part of the Lawyer Minds ecosystem. We've paired up with Lisa Blue, a practicing psychologist of 46 years and trial attorney of 44 years, to discuss some of the ways trial judges, especially those dealing with trauma-intensive cases, can improve their techniques and social practices, making the litigation experience more meaningful for jurors and litigants alike. So how do you tell the difference between a great trial judge and one who needs to work on their social intelligence skills? Let's find out. We'll be interviewing some of the greatest trial judges around who offer tips for improvement and share their secrets. And with that, here's your host, Lisa Blue. Will you introduce yourself? As you know, I'm Lisa Blue and Judge Parrish, it's nice to see you. So introduce yourself for the, the audience. Okay, well, my name is Lauren Parrish, and I am, uh, well, I grew up, born and raised in Gilmer, Upshur County, Texas, Um, went to uh, college, graduated from the University of Texas at Austin, and then went to Baylor Law School. After law school, I I, uh, clerked for the, I was a briefing attorney for the Sixth Court of Appeals in Texarkana. After that, I came back to Gilmer, Texas to practice law with my father, uh, Welby Parrish, who passed away in 87 and uh, practiced with him until his death. And then uh, after that, practiced, uh, was in private practice until I ran for office and uh, was elected to the 115th District Court, which is a court of general jurisdiction. And it's a two county court. So it was it's Upshur and Marion counties. And I was the first female elected in Upshur County. They said it couldn't be done. And I guess they were wrong. Um, I was elected. I beat two opponents, one in the primary and one in the general election. And uh, I ran unopposed every election season after that and retired in 2018 and took senior status. So I still sit and hear cases by assignment. Yes, I was on the bench for 24 years um, and had those two counties. And uh, we had a very act, I had a very active court. <laughs> um, so that's kind of my, that's basically my, my schooling and work uh, bio. What was it that, that made you, and I know you're, I happen to know this because I've you know, I, I've known of you for a long time because you have a wonderful reputation. Oh. And I know that your dad was a very well-known, uh, was he a plaintiff's lawyer, I believe? He was. He was. Mm-hmm. And did you used to go watch him in court or what was it that, that clicked? I did. I, I did. I, I'm the oldest of three three children and I was the one that wanted to follow in, in his footsteps uh, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I always thought it was exciting and, uh, I always thought it was a noble cause and I would, anytime I got an opportunity to go watch him, I, I, that's what I, I did. Um, and he was, he was a very good trial lawyer and very, very good cross examiner and, um, did a lot of good for people. And I saw that and it inspired me and he inspired me. Um, funny thing, or it's not funny, but um, just something sort of noteworthy worthy is that I realized 
those were big shoes to fill. And I also realized at a, at a young age, early on in my practice, that you cannot have the same style as another lawyer. You are yourself and you need to use your own uh, strong points and your own talents. And although I have a lot of similarities to my father's character, character, you know, I was not the kind of lawyer that he was and my skills were a little different. Um, and I, I was interested after I clerked for the court of appeals, I was always interested in, in the judiciary also. So, um, I kind of always kind of wanted to be a judge. And, and also it took me out of that um, umbrella that I, or shadow that I was under with my father, you know, cause now this is, cause it wouldn't have mattered what I did, good, bad, ugly, win, lose, whatever. I was, I, I went on, I went my own path and did my own thing and paved my own ground, which is, is, it was, I needed it and it was, it was what I wanted to do. So that, but that's kind of, he was the reason I got into the law and, and I admired him and his work and his talent. So. Right. And I know for some of the people that are watching this podcast, there are probably going to be some younger women in smaller towns. And I just wonder if you have advice in a, in what still feels like sometimes a male dominated culture in the small towns how did you deal with that? Or how did you? And you know, I always did. I always forgot my gender. I always forgot that I was female. And and I would have issues that would arise with um, conflicts, not, not in the courtroom, but when you're, when you're a district judge, you get to deal with county commissioners and other county offices. And, and they typically tend to be, you know, male and, and, things would, things would happen or there'd be, there would be little, I, I would be wondering why are these people acting like this toward me? Why, why is this? And then somebody said, well, you know why that is you're, you're a woman. I'm like, Oh, well, I, maybe. I, I think that's gotten a lot better because we have, we as women have um, inundated, you know, the, the profession and the judiciary, um, uh, when I when I first went to when I first when I first got got into office and I went to my first judicial conference, uh, actually it was the new judges school that they had, and I remember looking around and there were not that many women. And then every year it's just more and more and more. Uh, but I, I didn't, you know, like I said, they said you can't be done. A woman can't win. Well, I didn't believe it. And I, and I also, like I said, I forgot my gender. I forget. So I, I never wore it on my sleeve. I never, I never, and it had to, they had to remind me that maybe this is why there's an issue. Maybe this is why the commissioners don't want to fund you, fund this for you or whatever. They want to cut your funds or they want to, or what, the reason they're wanting to, to pick a fight with you over, you know, the jail or the, this or the, that. Um, but most of those those problems resolved themselves within, you know, a, a couple of terms, uh, and and it kind of leveled out. But I don't really know. I think I I I think the the lawyers the the male lawyers don't for the most part 
treat women any differently that I've seen in my experience. Um, and I, I really, that's the best I can do on that. I don't know. And, and those cultural problems that, that exist, I really don't know how you, if they're there, I don't know how you fix them, except just keep trotting on. Do, do, you do your, you do you, you know. Being a judge in a small town, did you ever feel like the male lawyers would talk down or mansplain or did you ever have any feelings like that, that they saw you as different? You know, very, very rarely. Um, and interestingly enough, the only time that's, that comes to mind that, that, that I can remember <laughs> happened to be um, a gentleman who had been on the Texas Supreme Court who was no longer there and came um, to court and for a hearing. And that was the only time anybody ever, ever, um, I, I guess it, and it wasn't really mansplaining. It was just really kind of rude, <laughs> but, but typically not. I mean, they, they treated me with, with respect. And I think a lot of it is if you treat people with respect, you know, they're going to treat you back with respect. And it's really hard for somebody to de be disrespectful to you if you're showing them the respect that they should receive. So, and I always tried to do that. I tried to, uh, you know, I, I tried to always bear in mind um, and, and respect the lawyers because I think it's very important for judges. And this would go for even, I, I believe, even appellate judges. It's, it's quite beneficial to have been a trial lawyer before you're a judge, either in a trial court or an appellate court, because until you've walked a few miles in those shoes, you, you cannot understand what it's like to be a lawyer. And, uh, and I think you need to. So I think I got off track. <laughs> no, perfect. Did you have mentors as a judge for different, you know, I, I did, I did, but you understand that when you, when you're a judge, your only mentors can really be, be judges. If you've, if you're ethical, <laughs> because you really can't. And that's one thing when you, when you, when you get elected, especially if you're in a small town, when you get elected, all of your friends have typically been lawyers, right? Because that's your profession. And so now you're in a, a situation where you might've used to use friends to, you know, talk about different issues or, or run things by, well, you don't have that avenue anymore. So you talk to fellow judges and uh, I had um, several um, early on in my career, one of the administrative judges for the used to be the first region, uh, Jim Zimmerman, uh, who was an older, older, older judge, kind of took me under his wing and helped me out a lot and helped me with the local politics and things like that. Um, also, my my partner judge in Marion County, because Marion County is uh, shared by the 276 district and at that time it was judge william porter and he was um i had known him forever he was a friend of my father's growing up so i knew him as a young person and so i'd known him all my life almost and he so we now shared a court and he was very helpful to me and other judges in the area you know they they were all very very helpful and most of them at that time were older than me it, it turned out that later on they were really younger than me, but, but they, they were very helpful. So, yeah.
I, I don't know what I'd have done without some of them early on. Looking back at your career, do you have any regrets that, by the way you handled it, or any advice about, gee, I wish I had known that back then, or done something different, anything that sticks in your mind? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of things. <laughs> I'm not going to be like some people we know that can't remember anything they ever did wrong. Um, you know, I, I'm i sure I, I could have, I, 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 before we started this, I, I sat down and, and I made a list of things that make good judges, what I think qualities. And um, in the list, some of the things that I, that I, I, I could have been more patient sometimes because it's really hard um, to, in a, in a general jurisdiction court, especially when you're hopping from family law to, to first degree felonies, to complex civil litigation, to appealed probate cases, to commercial issues, to it's, you know, um, but, you know, there were, there were, as far as my, my decisions in cases, Honestly, I I don't. I, there's there's not any that that I that I regret. Now I always and I always tell the lawyers, and it didn't. I, I didn't have an ego in the sense that if I'm wrong, the court of appeals will correct me, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's uh, that's what they're for, and that's you know. Um, and I wasn't reversed very often at all. Very, very few reversals. And we tried a whole lot of cases. But, um, you know, I, as far as the decisions, no. But as far as being patient, I could have been a little more patient because I'm not a real, I, I, I like to move things along and uh, I can slow down a little bit. It's, it's my nature in everything I do. <laughs> so uh, that would be one area. You know, you brought up a list, and I'm so glad and grateful that you took the time to really be thoughtful and put down on paper. What do you think makes a, a really great trial judge? Okay, I'm so glad you asked this because I've been excited about writing these. I wrote them down, and there's four main things, and there's a bunch of other little things. But I, I started looking at the emotional uh, intelligence articles and stuff because I'd never really even thought about it. Uh, when you said that, I thought, well, that's reading the room, which is, which is, is, and, and that's important, but maybe not in the way some people think of it. But first of all, if I were, if, if I were telling somebody, if I were, if somebody wanted to be a judge, I would say, these are, these are definitely things that you need. These top four things. And one is you must love and be fascinated by the law and lawyers. You've got to like lawyers. If you don't, and you don't like the law, just get out of here. Um, secondly, you must love and be fascinated by people because you're going to be, that's, you're, you're in the people job. If you're a trial judge, you, you know, you've got jurors, you've got litigants, you've got lawyers, you've got court reporters, you've got the media, you've got the audience, you've got the clerks, court staff, you've got, but you need to love everybody and you need to give everybody respect. And this next one is really important because this is something that can get you and it's hard. It's the hardest thing because the other things, it's easy to love the law and it's easy to love people and be fascinated by, by people in the law. But you've got to have moral courage because there are times 
and it's a really lonely job because the, the being a judge is a lonely, lonely, lonely job. And you've got to make decisions that are not popular. And if you're not willing to do that, and there are people who are not, and you know, I mean, they're swayed by politics or they're swayed by something else. Um, but you've got to have that moral courage and um, you've got to be independent. That's the fourth one, which is kind of the same. It goes into the, the moral courage, but you've got to be independent. You can't, you know, when you're, when your friends come the hard, one of the hardest things in the world is ruling against your friend and you have to do it. And it's hard and it never gets any easier, um, but you have to do it. And, and at the end, the end of the, at the end of the day, they respect you for it. Um, I have a lot of other words too. If you want me to go through some of them. Um, well, before you do that, I'm just so fascinated about the one uh, moral courage. And I'm wondering if you have a, an example or a, a short story that really demonstrates something that you had to do that was just so hard emotionally and how you handled it with emotional and social intelligence. Uh -huh. Well, this is, this is a, it's a, uh, I, there's, there's one case I have. I wish, I, I wish I had more time to think about other, other examples, but the one that sticks with me because it stick it stuck with me for so many, many reasons. Um, and it was a criminal case and it was an intoxication manslaughter case. And I had had others of those. And, and this, we kind of get into the emotional intelligence part here because it's all in the moral courage it's all when you when you you have to you have to have empathy and emotional intelligence as a judge i don't care what anybody says if you're going to determine whether a witness is credible or not how can you do that if you don't take life experiences and your ability to empathize and and all of those things into consideration well anyway um it was a terrible case, terribly tragic, tragic case. There were two um, two victims, a little boy who happened to be about the same age as my son at the time, which made it all the more harder, worse. And then um, uh, his mother were the deceased. And the defendant was a young man who had no criminal history and um and by the way, you will hear people, if you ask about me, they will tell you that I was a, I was a law enforcement judge. I was a I was, I was the, you know, and I, and I was, I was pretty tough. <laughs> um, anyway, so the young man, no criminal history and, um, had been working like, I don't know, 12 hours or more, a long time. I don't remember the, those details really, but anyway, he, was driving home from work, stopped and got, I'm sure he testified probably a couple of beers. Everybody only has a couple of beers, but he uh, then left that place and fell asleep. Yeah. I can't remember what his blood alcohol was. And that's really irrelevant at this point, but he, he testified uh, and it, he testified. I don't know if he testified in both stages or just punishment phase. But he was so broken up and so destroyed. And, and I'm not, I'm not, 
trust me, I, 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 my heart is with the, with the victims too. I mean, it's just very emotional. Um, anyway, so he, he got, I sentenced him to the max, which was on, on both cases. So there were two cases and the state wanted me to stack them. I had a courtroom full of mad mothers and I did not stack them. So they ran, they ran concurrently. And I, as soon as the case was, as soon as the trial was over, of course, I'm all over the radio. Mad Mothers is, you know, persecuting me, you know, and all this. And I, and, and I understand their, their anger. But I also had never just, you know, the remorse and agony that he was going through, too. I do believe that there was, I do believe he was remorseful. And that was rare. Uh, rare <laughs> that I saw that. Um, but that's one, one example of, you know, I could have stacked them, been easy. Been a, for, for him, it would just have been another, you know, year or two in prison as it would have turned out. But, but um, there was a lot of public pressure, a lot of uh, pressure. And, there, and there's a lot of cases like that where, you know, you have that issue. But that's one that always because I think, like I said, because the the child was the, about my son's age, so I can see I'll never forget. Touch. I can tell that. Yeah, I never. I'll never forget it. So what no. you said that there were some other smaller things. I'd love to know what your thoughts are about other things that judges can do to be a great trial. Oh, okay. Well, well, patience is one. I told you that was that was that's very important. Um, you have to be a good listener, but that goes with being interested and, and interested. If you're, and, and I believe this is, this is, I think, I don't care what profession you're in. If you're dealing with people, um, you need to be interested. And if you're, if you're interested, you're also interesting. And if you're interesting, people tend to like you <laughs> a little better. Um, obviously being respectful, um, to all people and the dignity of all people to, to the, the the people who have nothing, the people who are, are wealthy, the people who all all walks of life. Um, I think you need to be intuitive, and that's part of making a decision on whether somebody's credible. Um, I'm going through, so I'm not going to read all of these, but um, obviously you need common sense. You need to be efficient. It's very important that you're um, that you you are courteous to everyone. Um, being a trial judge, you know, you really, the most important uh, thing in the courtroom is the jury. And there's a lot of, um, I, I often referred to myself in the jury select, when, when I'm doing jury trials is as a flight attendant, because you are, you know, you're managing a lot of things. You're wanting to make sure everybody's comfortable, the jury especially, and that they feel safe, that you're going to take care of them. You know, again, empathy comes in because you don't know if this lady's got a sick child at home or this, the, you know, the man's or the woman's going to lose her job if they, you know, they're not and they're there and they don't want to be there. All of those things come into play. You need to be courteous of their time. I know some judges who will let trials go on into the night or and jurors who have an hour drive to home and home and to the courthouse. 
and they don't think twice about it. But, you know, those kind of things. Um, so I'll, I'll, I think you're like a flight attendant. I also think you're like an orchestra conductor because you're trying to, but you've got to be in control of it. You've got to make sure the trombones come in when they're supposed to and not over the, over the, the uh, violins or whatever. Um, and you got to juggle everything. I mean, and you've got to, you, you, and all the while you, you, you need a rapport. You need a rapport with everyone in the courtroom. And um, you don't need to be dogmatic. You don't need to be the ego in the room. You need to be somebody they feel like they can trust, somebody that they um, are, can warm up to, um, you know, and basically like you. You know, not everybody's going to like you, but, but respect you. Um, uh, you need to be confident, but not arrogant. And that's, you know, some people get judge at us. <laughs> they get a little pompous, but you don't, you know, if you're, if you're just confident and make everybody, let everybody feel comfortable in that they know who's in charge and it's all okay. And I'm going to get my time and they're going to get their time and she's going to rule on it. She's going to look at both sides the same way and she's going to make a decision that she thinks is right. According to the law. So after talking to people that know you, several, um, one of the best compliments I heard is that you did a magnificent job of how you controlled your courtroom. And I, <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts for the other judges because people felt that you were respectful, but you still had this wonderful control and, and tight so that people knew where they stood. Can you talk to me well, about that? I, well, it's hard. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, um, I, you just, you can't ever let it get out of control. You've got to always run a tight ship, but at the same time, you don't, you know, you don't run with a heavy hand. Um, so I, I really don't know. I, I, I'm happy that people think that, of my courtroom, <laughs> but I'm not really sure how I did, except that I, I never let it get out of control. And there were people, I mean, you, it, it doesn't take you long. Uh, sometimes, you know, by reputation and sometimes, you know, by experience before, uh, you know, for the first time in front of you, lawyers who will try to, to have control uh, and, and overrun the court. But, but once you know by reputation or by experience, you know how to stop that before it happens, but, but that was rare. And most of the time it was, you know, people are, I found people are, and maybe it's just because we're in a small town, but people are gen, genuinely, generally um, respectful of the, of the courts. It, as time went by from 95 to 2018, it got less. I mean, there's a difference. There was a difference in the way, the public looked at the court. I mean, now it's just completely different. I mean, then there's no respect for anything anymore, especially the rule of law. Right. But uh, that's one thing I, I thought of that I would say to you if, if it was relevant and maybe, maybe it will be um, is that, you know, as a judge, you, you inherit respect because you represent the rule of law. You put on that robe and it 
and I say this, but I'm not sure it's the same anymore because I don't know about the rule of law and it really, really breaks my heart, but we'll assume that there still is rule of law. And assuming that when you put that robe on, you inherit that respect for that rule of law. But it's not you. Yes, they respect you, but you, you inherit this respect and you've got to nourish that respect. You have to be held to a higher standard because you are the uh, caretaker of that respect for the rule of law. Therefore, you know, you, you need to carry yourself outside the courtroom in a way different than others. You've got to make sure you don't get in trouble. You know, all of those things you, because it's that important and it's not, it's not your, it's not the respect that you got. It's the respect that you inherited because of the position that you are in, that you were fortunate enough to be in. So that's kind of how I felt about it. Well, in, in closing, in since I assume you're going to, you know, you're probably going to have female, young, and old people who are in cities, judges who are in cities and small town. Is there anything any wise words that you would give to the judges that are watching or listening to this based on all your years of experience? <laughs> I think I gave you all my last words I had. Um, every decision that you make should be based from with that moral courage so that when you go home at night, and you look in the mirror, you can look at yourself and know that you made a decision based on what was right and that nothing else entered into that and, and colored that decision in any way. Um, that's the hardest thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard after you do it. So, so to speak, cause you can go home and look at yourself in the mirror and go, thank goodness I did the right thing. But, um, and you might can help me. Um, I forget if it, what famous, um, was it Teddy Roosevelt or do the right thing and suffer the consequences. I forget who to attribute the quote to, but that's basically, that's basically how it is. But, but you got to do the right thing and that's integrity. And that kind of weaves itself into what I was just saying about um, the rule of law and, and, and carrying yourself judges should be the epitome of integrity and and that's not a pompous or an arrogant or, or a stuck up kind of thing it's 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 trying to do good and and be a good person because you need to be a good person to be a good judge right. in my opinion and i'm not saying i'm a good person because i never said i was a good judge but, but i think that you need to be well other people sure many people have said it about well, and you've earned such a wonderful reputation over the years. And I'm just so honored to talk to you about it. Well, that's humbling hearing that. So it, it's, it, it's heartwarming for sure. When, when you're gone and people are talking about you, what would you like your legacy to be? That she did the right thing. That's it. Pretty much. Well, that's beautifully said, short. <laughs> I can see why people feel that way about well, you. So. 
Well, you're very kind. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for giving your time. And I certainly learned so much. And I really appreciate, you know, that you stopped to give your words of wisdom because they were. Very- well, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't have more um, little vignettes. Um, you would think you would remember more after 24 years. And I've got most, a lot of funny ones, but, you know, Well, I, was very- I enjoyed it. Thank you, Judge. Have a great day. Thank you. I hope to meet you in person sometime. I do, too. Thank you. Thank you, Judge. Bye-bye. That concludes this episode of What Makes a Great Trial Judge, part of the Lawyer Minds ecosystem. We hope you'll take some of these trial tips and incorporate them in your everyday practice to improve the litigation process for everyone involved. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and take some time to explore the other content Lawyer Minds has to offer. Your feedback and ideas are always welcome. Thanks for listening and see you next time.